Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Matt Connor Whiteley, bringing you psychology news and easy to understand and engaging psychology facts. For more information and the backlist episode show notes and more information on psychology topics, please go to connorwhiteley.net and I hope you enjoy the show. to episode 27 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Connor Whitesley. Today's episode is on the research biases in psychology research, and it's the 17th of April 2020 as I record this. So I quite like today's episode because it's because research biases and the biases in human behaviour is one of my favourite things to look at. We'll look at that in a moment. But moving on to the psychology news section, well, this week I did manage to find some time <laughs> in amongst the chaos of COVID-19 to read The Psychologists, which is the British Psychological Society's magazine, and um, yeah, the April edition. To be honest, there wasn't anything that great about it. I mean, like, but the main problem with it is that it was quite dated by the time I read it. To be honest, even by the time it was actually April, it was quite outdated. Yes, yeah, so there was this like one night, and I just want to say, I'm not criticising the psychologist, to be honest, I'm really criticising myself for not reading it sooner. But uh, to, yeah, but there was this one night, when it was written, there were only 3,000 deaths worldwide of a coronavirus. So, sadly, it was a bit dated. But, so, looking at the Research Digest, which, as I say every week, is the British Psychological Society's Research Digest email thing. Well, that's bad. But anyway, but there was this, well, there are two studies I really want to look at. These two studies are really, are really good. So, let's dive into it. Are you addicted to spending time with your friends? Study measures of a social media addiction. So, what it says is, do you often spend time with your friends in order to forget about personal problems? Do you think about your friends even when you're not with them? Have you even gone as far as ignoring your family to spend time with your friends? If you answered yes to these questions, then you might fit with the criteria offline friend addiction, according to a new scale described in a preprint of psych addicts. Except, of course, that this notion is ridiculous. How can we be addicted to socialising the fulfilment of one of our basic needs? Well, that's pretty much the point of this new paper, written with a tongue firmly in cheek, but behind it is a serious argument. Although a scale for offline friend addiction is so clearly observed, there's another similar concept for which such scales have been developed, social media addiction. And to be honest, I will just focus on this because also for the first time ever, I ended up reading it in a full because this I was really interested in. So... What this basically says is, so the whole article went into this very interesting concept, and to be honest, it was written not in the most cleanest of ways, but from what I gathered from the topic, I will retweet this on my Twitter feed at Sci-Fi Whiteley, just you can actually have a look at it for yourself. But the interesting thing about this is that what it was trying to do, make a offline friend addiction measurement scale seem valid, so to make it seem reliable, and to be honest, the article made it sound as if they wanted to get offline friend addiction classified as an actual psychological disorder, which I'm which my opinion on that automatically is well, is it a disorder? Because unless it's actually causing harm to that person's life, which socialising I think can very rarely cause can cause harm. 
then it shouldn't be classed as a disorder because it's not being harmful. And even the term disorder I'm quite ugh about. I've heard the term condition. Yeah, but the entire article on the research digest was uh, pretty much you know, saying how ridiculous the entire thing is. The thing is about these social media scales well, like, and these like, offline friend addiction scales. Because they made a brilliant point. None of these scales take in context. For example, you might be addicted to social media, but is it only in certain situations? For example, if you've, if you've had a fight, if your home life isn't that great, then that, would, then that could lead to an addiction. It was just that... I don't know, and now thinking about it, the whole process of addiction, rush of, neuro, of a neurochemicals released from the brain to make you feel good when you do something, I don't see how social media does it, but again, I've not read into the area. So the entire thing was quite messy, to be honest. And now, and I thought I had a lot more to talk about this, but I don't know, the article was just written quite strangely, to be honest. But another one that I really did want to point out, which I thought was quite brilliant, is the editor's pick. Participants who visited more countries cheated more, and a quite as I am well-travelled person, I don't think I cheat that much of life, but hey-ho. So, if you've been um, tuning into the mini-series Quiz this week, and this is a UK TV programme, I don't know, it might be shown globally, you might be wondering what drives someone to cheat a quiz show out of one million pounds. This 2017 study found that the well-travelled were particularly like I think that's been say particularly likely to cheat at trivial um, quizzes, albeit on a much smaller scale. Scale. Since she shot back from her year abroad, there's been something different about Sam. Once an avid rural follower, now she's breaking them. And when you raise it, she explains that she explains that these things, after all, are just a matter of perspective. Can exposure to other countries breed a flexible relationship to rules? even moral relativism. According to research in the Journal of Personality and Social Cognition, it can, which I think is very interesting because I just think it, so culture, if you've read any of my books, any books has a really clear impact on our behaviour. So, yes, so it's really interesting that it can even bend our morality. But this person's right. Everything is a matter of perspective. For example, yeah, but like, let's use a rather like, extreme example. Killing somebody who broke into your house is a, is a matter of perspective. Some people would say that's self-defense. Other person says that's completely wrong because you've still killed someone. It's a very interesting idea. So I hope you've enjoyed this. Yes, yeah, so, like, I hope you've enjoyed this psychology news section. Let's move on to the personal update. Moving on to the personal update. Well, as of today, which is the Friday the 17th of April, the UK lockdown has been extended further by another three weeks, which I'm quite glad about because I was a bit concerned that the government would just raise it and then there'd be a second peak of the coronavirus. But anyway, talking about not coronavirus-related topics, um, it's been a slow week, I think. Like, Thankfully, I can say that the biological second edition has been written. And I've started the Cognitive Second Edition, able Cognitive Psychology, but I've come to this memory chapter because I'm, and because of how I'm writing these second editions, that at university I've been writing notes and everything for my lectures, and I'm deciding to use them to update my second edition of my books. But this memory one, which was being a lecture from, I don't know, probably up to, no, probably from November, and it's all in 
little bits to be honest it's not very the notes aren't written in a way that I can make it cohesive so I don't know, I've been thinking about it today because I I really don't want to just delete them but I'm equally thinking the memory section has had a massive update anyway so and I know I've got two clear chapters from it so I'm going to take those two chapters and delete the rest of the notes because well, in my second year of my degree, I'm going to be doing it memory again. So I'll just get even more notes to expand upon it. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. And that's the great thing about podcasting. You can voice it as personal updates and then you can make a decision. This podcasting is great. great. And then what else has happened? Yes, well, I've been rereading my sci-fi fantasy Garrow books. So Garrow Harrison, Garrow Faithless. I almost forgot my own book book a title then uh, then for a moment uh, I really like the books uh, books and uh, books because uh, I ended up like proofreading I think oh right right can I just have proofread one or more chapters then do something else sort of 10 chapters later when I finished the book uh, the book because each book is about 20 chapters long and it's sort of like an oh right this chap god this story is really good I just want to keep reading so that I'm quite pleased about that I get lost in my own books uh, books uh, that's uh, quite good yes um, I'm hoping yes I'm going to sort out all the publishing stuff soon and hopefully I'll release it I don't know when I release the psychology books but I don't know it's all going to happen at some point yes because the main reason why I because the original idea was to publish and release them and have a release date in August as the cove was the coronavirus I'm thinking well I might as well give people something to read and entertain them and take their mind off this Awful, awful situation for for an hour or two no to be honest probably about four hours it takes to take you to read it yeah so hopefully that will help a few people people and then in terms of psychology well there's a very specific reason why i'm bringing this up today or this night up like today so i've been no, yes i've been going through the podcast the podcast see which topics have got the most listens because presumably you will like those topics the best I've seen the forensic psychology episode really picked it up then, and the number and yes that I mean it comes to abnormal psychology, even though I hate that title. But like those episodes were quite popular. Yes, I've managed to plan the next. I think it's a yes. I've managed to plan the next ten episodes of the podcast. Cause one of them will be on human branding, the psychology of human branding. Cause I'm writing an article for the British Psychological Society. Well, I say for them, but I'm going to write it, pitch it to them in a few other places. Then if none of them accept it, which I really hope they do, then I'm going to do a podcast episode on it. But in the meantime, I'm going to do three forensic psychology themed episodes, which range on sex offending treatment. We're focusing on treatment here. Public and crime, because I love that area. And then we're also going to do something about the illegal system because forensic psychology and legal system are really close together then it'd be some abnormal psychology topics and it will be some clinical psychology topics i'm quite looking forward to them they'll be based on the new second editions editions and then i'm probably going to do podcast episodes to promote the second edition during the pre-order stage so yeah so yeah so hopefully i'm like you'll all enjoy and love them so i think that's it on the personal update so i hope you found today's personal update useful and just a reminder you can always contact me at sci-fi whitely or you can always use the contact form at connorwhitely.net forward slash contact 
and you can always get my books for free on your library app and you can request them at your local library so have a great day let's move on to the content of the episode Moving on to today's rather short uh, podcast content episode thing, whatever. Um, yep, that was a really bad start, but it's a podcast and we're all family here. We all, yeah, we're like, we all um, like each other. So today we're looking at the biases in research. So in psychology and other behavioural research, there is a lot of um, biases that can impact the findings of experiments. But as this is an introduction episode... I'm only going to be focusing on female biases. Do you have demand characteristics? Now this I quite like because it's so true. So they were, so this is when the participants believe that they have managed to work out what the experimenters are looking to, looking for, and they change their behaviour accordingly. Now this is a major issue when you research with children, whilst children aim to please. So demand characteristics is definitely something that you need to think about when you research with children. And this impacts on research as it can lead to false conclusions to be drawn as the data being analysed shows the opposite of how humans actually behave. To counter this in research, you can organise your experiment in such a way that makes it difficult for a participant to work out what you're looking for. And if you read a lot of my books, and if you ever read a lot of my books, which you can always get for free in ebook and audio or format from your local library, and if you read any of the case studies, then if you're actually in them and you can tell just her by reading this, you can't tell them what they're actually looking for. Because I read a lot of psychology case studies, and I'm thinking, how does this prove what they're looking for? That's an issue for another day. Then the next bias we're going to be looking at is social desirability bias. This is where you change or give your answer to questions or the experimenter to something that puts you in a more acceptable light. People do this intentionally or unintentionally. So the example that I've used in the book is, for example, if a 15-year-old girl was asked if she had ever had sex and she had, she might say that she hasn't because it could be socially unacceptable for her to have sex because of her age, impacting results as it could lead to false data leading to false conclusions to be drawn. And a great way to avoid this is to possibly frame the question in a non-judgmental way because this is psychology research. We're not meant to be judgmental, so that that's something that you definitely need to do. And then one of my favourite biases because of the Loftus and Palmer 1974, I think, case study is the leading question bias where the question is worded in such a way that the question encourages a certain answer, such as how fast were you going when the car smashed, in, smashed into each other? Again, that's one from the um, Loftus and Palmer study. That question should lead to a higher speed being given. This impacts research as it gets people to answer a certain way, instead of the true answer of their behaviour, possibly leading to false conclusions. To avoid this bias, the things should be answered in an, uh, in an open answer, Sorry, in an open-ended and neutral way. For instance, how fast were the cars going at the time of the incident? So, I hope that you found uh, today's episode useful. And if you want to know more about research in psychology, then uh, please go to connorwhitely.net forward slash research in psychology. All at one word. So, have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening today. 
I hope that you found it useful and engaging. Well, if you want the show notes, backlist episodes, and more information on psychology, on psychological topics, please check out connorwhitely.net. And if you want to get a free book, as well as other news about writing and psychology, then please check out. Yeah, but then please sign up for my newsletter at connorwhitely.net. Have a great week, everyone.